Adam Thomas. The best. The best there ever was. 40 points again last night. 43 on 11 of 23 shooting. Gosh, he's good. He's the youngest player in NBA history to have three straight 40-point games. Nets fans were chanting MVP for Cam Thomas. I loved this guy, and I didn't know who he was a week ago. Yeah. Thank goodness Nash was wrong, and he shouldn't be a facilitator. <laughs> As JVT told us, Steve Nash kind of uh, mis, mis uh, aired on that one. He's, it's unbelievable what he's doing, because again, the, the same theme for all three games is he's been incredibly efficient. Yeah. Last night, 11 of 23 shooting for 42. That's the least efficient of these three games that he's had was 42 points on 23 shots. This guy's incredible. Now they can't win a game because no. it's Cam Thomas and Nick and, Claxton. And Kevin Durant's not playing. Right. But if they can get Cam Thomas some help, something can happen here. I would... We When we talked to JBT, he said that, you know, even before the season, he might get moved for a first-round pick. Would you trade for Cam I might, Thomas I might, right tra now? I might. If I wasn't thinking about it last week because I didn't know who he was, I'm probably thinking about it now. Deadline is tomorrow. I'd be. I'm fascinated to see if a team is like, oh, we like that Cam Thomas guy. Let's take a shot on him and see if he can become. I, I, I don't even know. What do we say the ceiling is for a guy that we didn't know a how week ago this, and has scored forty plus in three I straight mean, games? How does this happen to where he's this good for three straight games and before this nobody knew who he was? So. Why? Because Durant's out. Well, I think I think a lot of it's because Durant is gone and Kyrie is gone at the moment. And from from watching him play, I watched about six quarters of Cam Thomas. I don't know that he does much else. Like he is he is just a scorer, which obviously carries a lot of value in the NBA. But if you're just a scorer, and Durant and Kyrie are on your team, you're not really going to get to do much. So I think a lot of it is what his skill set is, is he's out there to score. He's not giving you value in many other places. So as long as Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are playing, you're not giving Cam Thomas no, shots over those two. he's not getting shots. But when those two are out, feed him the rock. Someone's got to score. Right. And so that's what I'm curious to see. A team who doesn't have Kevin Durant, do they say, well, we'll give Cam Thomas 20 shots a night. Right. And this guy's going to score yeah. 40 for us every night. Maybe somebody does do that. Or maybe the Nets say, we need a number two scorer now that... Kyrie Irving's yeah. gone, and maybe they don't move him at all. Cam no, I mean, odds are they don't move him. Right. The, the deadline's in like 28 hours or whatever it is, so probably not, but we'll see if the Nets do anything. Kalon told me a couple days ago, I, you got to get rid of this echo. <laughs> can't talk. I'm drunk. Whatever. <laughs> all right. We got two Aces stories. I'll, I'll do the tr uh, NBA or WNBA investigation first. This morning, Howard Megdahl uh, reported that the WNBA is investigating the Las Vegas Aces for salary cap circumvention. Sounds like the Golden Knights, but salary cap circumvention, according to Howard Megdahl's story, it comes down to they're, they're being what they're being accused of is having third party businesses, sponsors, whoever, agreeing to pay players for little to no work. So effectively, the Aces are... Like an NIL deal? Basically, where the Aces are, and the potential example here um, is Candace Parker just signed for less than the maximum. She signed for $100,000. $100, she could have made, I think it was two twenty dollars or something right, like that. Right. The potential here is that Candace Parker, come play for the Aces. We're going to pay you $100,000 because we need to fit it under the salary cap. 
but we have this sponsor that's going to pay you however much money to make up for that and you're not going to have to actually do much work you're not going to have to make many appearances right that is the insinuation whether or not it was candace parker we don't know but that's the obvious one to point to at the moment because she could have signed for 220 and she signed for 100 maybe it has happened in the past with other players um i think an interesting detail here is the erica hamby statement i was gonna say is this hamby saying hey by the way so my main question on hamby's statement was when she said things were promised to me that weren't delivered right and my main question was is that what this is what is that because i was like did did they sign a contract with her and then not do what was in the contract right. because then the aces are obviously going to be in trouble with this report and with what hamby said it very much sounds like they signed hamby they had some third-party sponsor agree hey we're going to pay you this amount 50 grand and it never came through and it never came to hamby right and that again making the assumption there but that's what that sounds like to me, is they did that with Hamby last year, but never followed through with it. And maybe they did it again this offseason. We don't know if it's true or not, but it certainly looks like it's true based on this what is, Hamby said and what Parker signed for. This is even more creative than the Knights. It is. Yes. Well, it's illegal. I mean, it's against the rules. No, of course. <laughs> I'm just saying. Raise the salary cap, then. the cap. My God. So, the, Lindsay, the biggest problem in the WNBA is there's like three owners that want to spend money. Correct. And there's like nine owners. They're like, charter flights. Right. Oh, my and God. And they got they took the worst deal ever in the most recent CBA right. negotiations, and it's not up for an, another five years yeah. or something like that. It's just bad business. Yeah. So you, you end up with a couple of teams that their owners want to spend money. Including jo- uh, the one here. Yeah, and yep. Joseph Tsai, who want with the Liberty. Right. Yep. Like, he's the one. What did he get fined? Half a million, I think, for, for chartering using a pro- their flights. Yeah. 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 Right. What's funny is Howard Megdahl's story on this. He was like, he some source told him that was like, well, I kind of hope this doesn't get public because it's probably going to be a good thing for the Aces because Joseph Sy getting fined half a million for chartering flights. Joseph Sy became like a hero because correct he but, wanted to spend money on yeah. players. We're just trying to invest in the women, right. okay? Yeah. So there's a chance that the Aces circumvent the salary cap and people actually take it as why are we why are we doing this that's the way i take it why aren't we trying to pay them more so everybody's got to get a part-time hustle these days (laughs) just got to do a little something on the side uh, bring in some uh, discretionary income parker's got like four she's on tnt she has a family yeah the other aces story they had their instructor press conference for candace parker yesterday on zoom Candace Parker took questions, Natalie Williams and Nikki Fargus. Nikki Fargus, president of the team. Uh, they were also on this press conference. When Nikki Fargus was asked a question about Dierica Hamby, the media relations director cut off the question and said Nikki had to bail because she had a call. She really bailed. Even though she was still on the Zoom. Which was horrific optics. Because I'll say this. If we gave them the benefit of the doubt and said, oh, she actually did have a call that she had to go to. Why why would you schedule your press conference to run up into this one? When you knew she had it. Right. You it's it's your press conference. It's your it's about signing Candace Parker. You could have it whenever you want. 
right. people would have been on it no matter when it but was. But the timing of the question, the context well, of the it's question. A oh, look. it's now it's a we have look. to. And that's why they're setting a precedent because they don't want to be asked about this. And so they say, oh, you want to ask about this? We'll just end the entire thing. Well, it's Go a home. Look. It, it is a horrible look. 100%. Um, we are going to talk to Andy Yamashita, who asked the question that got cut yep. off later in the show. I did not see the entire press conference. Do either of you know? Was there a question about Hamby earlier? Because I know this was like, it, this wasn't like the first question. They had been, there had been a press conference for like 20 minutes before this happened. From what I've heard, that was the first that mention the first of it. But one. I, I, think I haven't listened back one. to okay. it, and I'm just hearing about it secondhand. We'll ask Andy. Later. I think that was the only one. I'm guessing it was, but I did see that it was like 20, 30 minutes into what it. What if so... someone would have asked a minute into it and she had a call? <laughs> exactly. Well, and, and that's the thing. Go. You don't think that's going to happen next round around, but that's where you're, you're trying to kind of manipulate people like you. Not Well, don't ask it because then you're not going to get right. any of them in. Even if you don't want to talk about the De'Erica Handy situation, how do you not have an answer prepared for that yeah. question? Yeah, like, this is the first time... You've made this level of people available. The president, yeah. the GM. Was Hammond on this call? I think so. He was okay. supposed to be, yeah. All right. So this is the first time they've been available since Hamby. What did you think someone was going to ask? Right, like, yeah. How do, you not, how do you not have an answer? Yeah. Even, even if you say nothing. Yeah. Even no, if yeah, you, you Marshawn, I'm just here yeah. so I don't get fined. Right. We can't discuss this or right now. you could talk a lot and say nothing. Yeah, exactly. You how do you not? How is the response? Ah, I got a call. I got to get to. <laughs> Sorry. Like, I'm come, late, like, I'm have late a, for a very important even, date. Just have an answer that says nothing and, yeah, and we then might, move on. Right. We might criticize it for, oh, they avoided the question, but no. at least answer it. Don't yeah. avoid it by literally running out of a Zoom. I don't care about her next question. Eagles CEO Jeffrey Lurie says he's ready to give Jalen Hurts an extension. Quote, I don't think he has anything to prove to be the long-term answer at quarterback. He's an MVP caliber quarterback, an incredible leader of the team on the field, off the field. He's 24 years old, incredibly mature, and most importantly, driven to be even better. What we're seeing today, I think, is just the beginning for Jalen. This guy will attack every weakness as he has since high school, since college. The future is bright and very exciting for all of us. Jalen Hurts has one year left on his rookie, rookie deal. deal. Should the Eagles give him an extension this offseason? I don't think so. Really? No, I don't think so. The risk is that if you don't give it to him this offseason, he could walk as a free agent after next offseason. The franchise tag exists, but... You could tag him like we're thinking they're going right. to do with Josh Jacobs. You don't want the Lamar Jackson situation where it gets drawn yeah. out and all of a sudden we're like considering different places right. for him to go. But I do think Jalen Hurts is the perfect example of a quarterback that you can win with when you're paying him $7 million and you probably can't win with if you're paying him $40 million. And if I was the Eagles, I'm not giving him the extension this offseason. I am going to have him play next year. If he's this good next season, here's your extension. If there's any regression... Eh, we might do the franchise might tag, franchise tag at the most, and not be locked into a long-term deal. Even though yeah. next year the franchise tag for quarterbacks is going to be an insane amount. It's going to be like oh, it's going to be fifty million dollars yeah. next year. So maybe the franchise tag won't be the best idea. But I think he is the perfect example of a quarterback that maybe you don't want to give the contract to after one good season. That you want to see it again. All right, coming up next on the show, Jay Feely. Four nights of uh, complete uh, darkness. What? You going to Alaska? Not Alaska, no. I've been to Alaska. That's a beautiful state. Yeah. That's a lot Are you fun. locked in? Where is it? You're not locked in. No, you can you can leave if you if you've 
you know, you can't do it, you can just walk out the door. But it's uh, it's a darkness retreat. Wow. And I've had, you know, a number of friends who've done it and had some profound uh, experiences. And it's something that's been on my radar for a few years now, and I felt like it'd be awesome to do regardless of where I was leaning after this season. So it's been on the calendar for uh, months and months and months, and it's coming up uh, in a couple weeks. You're on the elevator up to the press box with Graney and Bischoff. We'll get into Aaron Rodgers' darkness retreat a little bit later in the show. Uh, hopefully in a couple of minutes, we're going to be joined by Jay Feely, who is out at Radio Row at the Super Bowl. Um, but did you see Aaron Rodgers uh, when he said that part of the refereeing problem in the NFL is that the best guys go to TV because it pays more? No, I didn't know. So I mean, in terms of the referees? Yeah. So basically the, the guys that are the, like the anal, the CBS, right, the, the analysts, Fox analysts okay, that come they're on the best ones. try to explain whatever Aaron Rodgers okay. is like that, jo- that job pays more than being an actual okay. referee. So the best ones are going to leave and take that. Now there's only a couple of those jobs open. So it's not like the NFL is going to lose its 20 best referees, right. but I don't actually know the background of what the rules refer rules analyst does on a daily basis, but I feel like that's the best job in sports media. I think it's the, Oh, in, in entire sports media. Well, one, you're an expert Two, You don't have to talk, but about five right. times a game. Right. And you're getting paid more than just running around a field. Yeah. And I, that, and then Jay Feely, if we get to talk to him here, he's the kicking analyst. Yes. Comes on and tells us when there's, I think those are the best jobs. Those seem great. And I, I have no idea how much they pay. I don't know. If well, they pay more than the guys on the field, apparently. Right. I don't know how much background goes into that, like behind the scenes work, but it seems like a phenomenal job to just be like, yeah. I don't know how many behind the scenes work they must do because they're just waiting for the call in the field and they just can talk about what yeah. they would have called. Yeah. I mean, you do, for the referee side, you obviously have to keep up to date with all the, well, all the rules, rule changes and, yeah, exactly. and emphasis yes. and, and everything yeah. else. So that's a... You know, but I imagine if you're the rules expert, you've been doing that your entire career. And so that's that's not new. That's just something you've always done. So I think it's it looks like, like a great job. It's like coaches that that leave the leave the field for the booth. And I know some have come back. We know one that came back here. <laughs> I just never understand why they come back. I oh. just think, man, you just you talk about football, you get paid really, really well. You don't have to do deal with the twenty four hour stress. I mean, I know it's their itch, and they, you know, they always want to get back to what they've they've done their whole lives. That's what they dreamed about. But uh, Steve Mariucci was one. He never went back. He always probably said, "You know what? I I I'm making a lot of money, and I'm just talking about football." It's the it has to be the competitive drive that that, that separates brings them, them back. So it's just it's just something that's absurd because I wouldn't leave a TV job to do that. All right, joining us now. Is Jay Feely joining us on behalf of St. Jude Children's Research Hospital? Feely is the chair of the Legends Charity, which has the event tomorrow night. They've raised more than $10 million for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital over the last 15 years. Jay, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Jay. Gentlemen, how are you? Good, good. All right. I'm, you know, I just want to be up front. I'm, I'm going on a retreat like Aaron Rodgers after the season <laughs> nice. two. Mine is not a darkness retreat, though. It's going to be a golf retreat. Yeah. But it has the same impact on me. So I'm just letting my wife know well, I will be gone for five days at Pebble Beach doing a golf retreat. Well, you can leave the course anytime you want also. Anytime you want, you can leave the course. That's right. It could, how long could you be in a dark little house by yourself? 
I, I don't know that I would ever want to do right? that. Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Jay Feely with us. So, Jay, I, actually, we were just talking. The kicking analyst and the rules analyst that CBS, which, where you work for, <laughs> yeah. and that Fox works for, is it the best job in sports media? Well, for, I mean, I, all, all year long, I'm the analyst up in the booth calling games. That's I, right. I jumped right. down on the sidelines with Tony Romo and Jim Nance as a special teams analyst. And, you know, and say like two or three things, so that, that's not a very hard job. You know, Gene does an amazing job, though, Gene Steratore, who's our rules analyst, and he's in a booth, just to give context to what you guys were talking about, in New York all season. So you have six or seven games going on, you know, throughout the day on Sunday, and he's doing every one of those games. So he's watching every game, and when there's a, a rules question, he's going to pop into your game and help the analyst with, you know, whatever that question is and explaining it, talking about it, you know, whether they got it right or wrong. You know, so his is a little more difficult job because you're trying to understand everything. All week long, he's sending us videos as the analyst, talking to us, answering questions, helping us prepare. And then he also does college football for CBS. So he's doing college football. He's doing six or seven NFL games and then college basketball when the football season's done. Okay, Gene's job just got a lot tougher than I thought it was. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Jay, can you also help us out with what became, um, I guess, a little bit of a controversy is the right word in the playoffs when the Cowboys were told that their holder couldn't put a white piece of grass down to help with this spot, <laughs> and then the Eagles got accused of using tape. Is that really a big deal to have, like, a mark for the holder and the kicker on field goals and extra points? Well, it helps the holder. It doesn't help the kicker at all. But it certainly helps the holder, and, and a lot of guys would use tape. They've used tape for a long time. Usually they did it in indoor stadiums because you couldn't pick up a piece of grass because there wasn't grass because it's turf. You know, if you're in the indoor stadiums with turf, you know, so you bring a little piece of tape. Um, I think they made a bigger deal of it than they had to. Like Gene and I were talking about that. You go up and you tell them before a game, hey, don't put anything down. You know, if you're using something like grass or you're using – you know, some paint from the field, that never was an issue. It's not like you're putting it on a tee and, and elevating the ball. That's what some people made it. It's really just a visual spot for the holder. But, like, when I would when I would take a spot, and you want it specific, you want it exact, I would give them, like, a back corner of the hash, you know, so they knew exactly. They had a visual that they could put it down on. So you're trying always to give them some type of visual. Jay, as a kicker, how bad did you feel for Brett Maher? Oh, I was crushed for him. Like, I, I've been there. You know, my worst game Saturday Night Live did a spoof about it the, the next week. <laughs> I'm getting ready to play Philly, and it's like 11 o'clock at night, and you're just trying to, like, go to sleep and not get fired the next day. And uh, and all of a sudden I get, like, 50 text messages, and they're like, dude, they're killing you on Saturday Night Live right now. <laughs> and they don't tell you they're going to do it, you know. It's just Dane Cook playing me for four minutes on Saturday Night Live. But I had a lot of empathy for him because I've been there. I mean, it's kind of like – you know, you've seen Chuck Knobloch not be able to throw it back to second base or, you know, the catchers who can't throw it back to the pitcher, and, and all of a sudden you just get a mental block, and I think he just kind of went through that. Jay Feely with us on behalf of St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. So when you watch the Super Bowl on Sunday, are you cheering that one of the kickers gets to kick a game-winning field goal as the clock expires? Is that your ultimate goal when you watch a game? Well, I mean, I, I love these two teams. I, I love how deep they are. I said at the beginning of the year that these were the two teams that were going to be in the, in the Super Bowl. And I think Philly all year has been the deepest roster in the NFL. 
and they've just added to that throughout the season as they picked up guys like Lindell Joseph and Adamic and Sue. You know, so I, I love seeing that, and I love these these quarterbacks as well. I do want to see a close game that comes down to a game-winning kick. I mean, that's where your legend is devi- defined as a kicker. You think of Adam Vinatieri, and you think about his game-winning kicks in the Super Bowl. Jay, uh, you have a personal relationship, obviously, with St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital with your niece. Uh, talk about the uh, what they do for kids and, you know, how, how you're so close to them. Well, it's truly amazing what they do, not only for the children that are being treated at St. Jude, but the families in totality. So I did a lot with St. Jude prior to my family involvement uh, just with CBS because we had an executive who had a child who went to St. Jude and was treated there, and so we wore their ties and we talked about them. But when you have, an, when you have your brother's daughter, my niece, get diagnosed with Wilms disorder and you don't know if she's going to survive it, and all of a sudden your family's rocked and you do anything to help her, um, it takes on certainly new meeting, and so that's when I saw firsthand what an amazing organization they are. Because my brother was a teacher, and you know, it, you you care first and foremost about your child's health, and how do we help them survive this and beat this? But the second thought is, how do we afford this, and what is it going to cost? And you know, are we are we going to have any money to be able to to continue her care? And that's what's really amazing about St. Jude because you don't pay for anything as a family, and every family who goes there and you know, they fly you up and they get you with the best doctors. My brother and, and his wife had the best doctor for that specific disorder, for Wilms disorder, the Wilms tumor. And they had peace because of that, that they were doing the right things, that they were in the right hands. You know, and they did an amazing surgery on her liver and her, I mean, on her kidney and her lung. Uh, and were able to get it and, and then do the treatment, the follow-up treatment. You know, but they just took care of the whole family and they don't have to pay anything. And and it's just really an amazing organization. That's why I told St. Jude, like, hey, anything I can do to help you uh, going forward, I- I'm all in because I saw firsthand what an amazing job they do with families. Jay Feely with us. So the Legends for Charity event tomorrow night, w- what happens there? How has that event been able to raise as much as $10 million over the last 15 years for St. Jude? Well, it's pretty cool. I mean, I think people want to give to St. Jude because they know about what St. Jude does, first and foremost. But the event itself is cool because it's the Pat Summerall Award, and you're giving out an, an award and honoring people and, and what they do in the community. And we're going to honor Howie Long tomorrow night, which will be really cool to have his whole family with us. And you have guys like Jim Nance and Bill Cower and Tony Dungy and a lot of different people uh, who have gotten that award. It's a, a very distinguished list, and you have a lot of uh, – very important guest, you know, there tomorrow night, and hopefully we'll raise a million dollars. And, you know, if you're listening to this and you can't be at the event, go on to St. Jude's website and donate. If you want to give to an organization that you know that every one of those dollars is going to go to those families that are in need and those kids that are going to get that treatment, this is the organization to do it. Well, he is Jay Feely, again, uh, joining us from Radio Row on behalf of St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Jay, we appreciate your time this morning. Thanks, Jay. Okay, guys, thanks. Appreciate your support. Take care. So there's Jay Feely again, uh, St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Uh, He's got a niece that is a patient at St. Jude, and he is the chair of the Legends for Charity event that is happening tomorrow night to raise money for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, Jason Fitz joins the show. Aaron Rodgers is unimpressed with him, but we aren't. It's time for our weekly visit with ESPN's Jason Fitz. Do we not have Jason Fitz? What do you think Jason Fitz is? Super Bowl week. Well, yeah, what's he doing? Come on. Get it together, Jason Fitz. 
We'll see. We'll see if we have Jason Fitz. I'm going to go with no today that we don't have Jason I'm passing Fitz. on it. Yeah, probably not. Um, so in the meantime, so what the hell is Aaron Rodgers doing? Guess he's sitting in a dark room waiting for them to bring his meals every day. <laughs> Said the meals are delivered, right? Yeah, through a slot. There's a slot in like a door. Is there a or slot a in the door? Yes. He's putting himself in solitary confinement. I just, I don't know, man. If for anybody that missed does he just it, do this because he's just to do it. For anybody that missed it, he was on the Pat McAfee show, and he said he's going into a four-day retreat after the Super Bowl, and this retreat is him alone in a house in complete darkness. And he said it's one point there's a two-way mirror. And somebody drops food through a slot for him to eat. But otherwise, there's no contact with any other person. You're, you're just in darkness. There is for a, four days. There is a toilet. I assume there's a bed. But you're in complete darkness for four days. Not even like a, hey, you open the windows when the sun comes up. It's apparently like blacked out windows. He was saying also there's not a surprise, but some hallucinations going on in there. Yes. Well, your brain will put pictures up if it can't find any itself. (laughs) (laughs) I get it though. Like I get what he's trying to do. Well, this is so on brand for him. Before you you start, I just want to make sure, you know, you're about to defend Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to continue? I'll shower later. (laughs) This guy who is really into expanding his thoughts. He's a he's a smart guy that likes to call himself a, a well-read guy, right? And so last year he does the the what's the drug called? The, not kombucha. Ayahuasca. Ayahuasca. And not talks kombucha. about all about the vacations that have nothing to do with beaches and his tattoo and all of this stuff. This is so on brand for him and honestly, I kind of respect him taking the time to do something like this and really figure out what he wants because it's a big decision that he's making. I hate that he makes us go through it at every excruciating detail with him every single year. Do I think he's not a great teammate? Yes. Do I think that he's a great quarterback? Yes. Do I think he's a douche canoe? Yes. But this is who he is. Couldn't he do this walking on a beach in Maui? He wants to get if down in time the to deep. contemplate. He wants ego death. If it's possible for him, it's like when people realize that others have feelings and are completely uh, autonomous beings uh, uh, separate from them. But I don't know. I, there are, there are worse things to do. And at least he's going to be in isolation. So no one else has to deal with this. <laughs> like there you go deal with yourself. Yeah. Oh yeah. hundred percent. 100%. You could just go on like a bender and pretend that everything's well, bumper cars. He's like, yeah. I'm figuring out my life. Like, some people go that way. How long could you last? Oh, three hours, four hours? Uh, however long I could sleep I at the moment? I don't want to do it. I just want to see. For four days? I think I, I don't know. You if could, I could do that for four days. Maybe, maybe. Well, it's a challenge in discipline, right? Because you can leave at any point in time. And you're going the bare minimum possible and you're just left alone with yourself. Like I go out hiking and I try to do moments of stillness, not for four days, but I bet you build up to it. I bet you he meditates a lot. I mean, I he's would a hope, kumbaya guy, I don't guys. know what else he's I doing hope there's there. some preseason training to this. I don't know. I hope he's I, not just walking in a dark room for the first time. He's never done it. 
My question is like, do you sit down the whole time? Do you do you walk and pace? You like, got to do some exercise. You got to walk. You got to pass the time a little yeah. bit easier because I can get lost in the sauce of my own thoughts very easily, very easily. But that would be a real challenge in one's mental toughness and fortitude. Beyond the darkness, um, no concept of time, I think, would drive me insane. Yeah. Like not oh, knowing. Yeah, not I wonder knowing how really long what, it takes yeah. for you to just com- be completely yeah. discombobulated. I bet right. not very long. Yeah. Like I, I'd be in there and after like eight hours, I'd be like, oh, it's been three days, right? Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> because, yeah, because in all honesty, I... My sleep schedule, I wake up when the sun comes up, unless yeah, you got your got circadian rhythm yeah. synced up. Like if, if there's light shining through my bedroom window, I'm waking up. Mm-hmm. If there's no light in this scenario, I don't even know how I'd fall asleep and then wake up. I'd wake up and be like, uh, that would be the it? worst because you really wouldn't know what time right. it was. I bet he sleeps for at least two of the days, like full days, because you just think about all the stress and lost sleep during the season. I remember whenever I'd get done with finals that you have those couple weeks where you study so much, but you also had hockey season the first half of it, and your body's just like, go, go, go. And then the second it realizes that it has a minute, it just shuts right down. And I w- I'd be home for <laughs> seven days. The first two, I was... You would com- sleep I w- the whole time. I would be a pile. Because it's just like your your body finally realizes that it can relax. And it's like, oh, we go relax right now. You're not doing jack squat. Now, here's the part where we can complain about him doing this. Every time he does something like this, he ties it to what his future. What his future is. for football? Exactly. That's what he's doing to figure exactly. out. Because this is what this is what he's told Pat McAfee right. that he's going to make a decision after this darkness retreat. That he's yeah. going to be in the darkness deciding where he wants to play. I guess um, next year he's just going to wander in the Las contract. Vegas desert <laughs> looking for answers. Forty days, forty nights. He's so, not going to come out of that door not under contract. Right. And so there were two things that Aaron Rodgers said yesterday that I thought carried a lot of weight, at least going into his darkness retreat. We'll see how he feels after it. But one of the things when Pat McAfee asked him about, you know, all the fans talking about the Raiders to him, he said, well, I'm I'm under contract with the Green Bay Packers. Right. Like he kind of shut that down by saying I'm under contract with the Packers. And then the other thing that he said, was that he has not had any meaningful conversations with his own agent about what what's going to happen next year. Like, he hasn't sat down with his agent and said, hey, I would like to retire. I'd like to stay in Green Bay. I'd, I'd like, like to, to go somewhere else. And basically, those two statements to me is Aaron Rodgers saying, everything that's happened so far in the offseason, all the fans being excited, all the Devontae Adams, you know, trolling or whatever he wants to call it, means absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Because he's under contract, he hasn't made up his mind, and he hasn't even talked to his agent about what the possibilities are. Because he doesn't know what he wants. So yeah. before you Maybe. start all the horses, <laughs> you go in the dark I'll room. Figure out exactly what I want. And we heard something about this similar, not to to the point that what he, he did the exact same thing that Aaron is doing. But when Matthew Stafford, when asked to be traded from the Detroit Lions, like you have to ask for this. And I bet that's right. a huge thing to do, a huge chapter to close, especially leaving an organization that you've played for your entire career, all of that stuff. And so, yeah, I bet you he hasn't talked to anybody because Aaron Rodgers is the only one that can figure out what Aaron Rodgers wants. He likes Wisconsin a lot. I don't think he does. I think he would much rather upgrade from the fanciest restaurant, Appleton, which is an Applebee's into something, I don't know, can we get like a hibachi grill going? Can we get uh, some some Del Taco or Cafe Rio and, and make sure that you're there to make sure his order's absolutely Chick-fil-A. perfect? Chick-fil-A. Cafe Rio's great. Yeah. I mean, I just, 
I think he wants to go. And I think he wants to be really sure and settled in that decision. And so you go out, you put yourself in isolation. There's lots of myth-making things that start in the same exact way. And I think that's how he views himself. Look at this Vikings fan desperate to get Aaron Rodgers. I'm not desperate. Division. Trust me. As I just highlighted a few minutes earlier, if he comes down here, I'm going to have to start singing a different tune. So I'm going to get it out while I can. <laughs> Darkness retreat. Man. Into the darkness, Aaron. I don't. I don't they, know how long it could he go. should go in uh what what are they called? The uh like deprivation tanks? Yeah. Oh, just, I want to go oh, in one yeah. of those so yes. bad. You should do do one of those. Although um, I don't think you can do that for four days. No, that'd be no. way too expensive. Like, no. <laughs> I was gonna say there's like die. pods. I was literally they're like salt water bath pods yeah, yeah. or something. I want to yeah. go in so bad because I just want to see if it can quiet my brain down, but I doubt it. Or you it. just float. Yeah. And yeah. it's completely sensory deprived. I'd probably just still drive myself nuts. God, it sounds that doesn't sound fun either. None of this sounds fun. No. None of this sounds fun. Hold on. Uh, for both of you, I'll ask you first, Lindsay. Can you drive without music or a podcast playing? I mean, I can. I don't choose to. Ed? I do. You do? Yes. Con- like every time you drive? No, basically. not every time. But, but I can. Easily. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I can too. Yeah. My dad does it all the time. He drives without anything without playing. Anything going, like, without I'm really anything trying to think time. about stuff or cycle through an emotion yeah. that I don't think music can help me. I absolutely well, I don't like to think. <laughs> Clearly, we've heard about your driving record. Yes, exactly. focus on the road. <laughs> I have to focus on the road at all times. It is true, though, that it's harder for you to focus on what you're doing if the music's too loud. Sometimes when you're trying to get directions oh, correct, yes. you're like, can you turn the music? Because your brain just can't I got to find this exit, turn the music down. Legit, right. legit. Uh, but Brandy, my fiance, music cannot drive in silence. Like, can't she's like, it's going to drive her over the edge. If, if she drives in silence, like if we're in the car together and I'm driving and like, oh, I don't turn anything on. She's like scrambling to get it on. If we start driving and she's driving and, and there's not music playing like within 30 seconds, she's like, put something on. Get don't the pay, care what. K-pop just, going. Just, yeah, get something going. So, yeah, she hates to drive without something. Do you go off playing. the radio or do you go off your phone? Off the phone, yeah. yeah. But she'd even prefer How just dare you? whatever random radio. You're dismantling the very you? thing that supports us, Tyler. Uh, I am. I mean, I'll listen to sports radio in the car, but not really with her. I listen to our podcast all She time. doesn't. She does not going to want to listen to... Doesn't want to listen Cold to you talk. Company yeah, it's weird. Me. Actually, she's nice. She'll be like, when I come home, she's like, are there any good segments today I should listen to? Really? Yeah, she'll go back and Aww, listen to them. That's cute. The wife asks me every day how the show is. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then we go on. She's just happy you're back in one piece at yeah, the driving. Yeah, exactly. On the driving, <laughs> exactly. She's like, phew, you walked through the door. See, when I get that question, I always tell her solid. And she's like, I don't know what solid means. Is that good? Is that bad? <laughs> Because you don't hate yourself after the show today, which is a win in most of our books. It was solid. It was okay. (laughs) All right. We got some tickets to give away. If you want to go see Jimmy Buffett, call in now. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. We got two tickets to go see Jimmy Buffett. He's in Vegas at MGM Grand Garden on March 4th and March 11th. Caller number six right now at 702-364-1100 is going to see Jimmy Buffett. The Knights had players back defensively. McNabb and Thiebel. Now a loose puck for Carrier toward the goal. Backhander just trickled wide. Rebound at the goal line. They score! Phil Kessel. 3-1 to one Golden Knights with eight minutes to go in the first period. This is the Press Box. Live we, oh, from the oh Finley boy. Toyota oh ESPN Las Vegas studios. There's a this leg on the computer. Is the press box <laughs> with Grady and Bischoff. I was not ready for that. Congratulations to Jimmy. Jimmy won tickets to go see Jimmy Buffett. Uh, we are going to have Golden Knights tickets to give away a little bit later in the show. 
Before we get into a fun Golden Knights stat, a high school basketball game in Oklahoma last night finished 4-2. to two. Oh, beautiful. Absolutely <laughs> beautiful. Defensive uh, stalwarts they are. Uh, uh, so a lot of success. Not even really uh, great defensively. One of the teams just ran the clock out all four quarters. Just sat there and just, just passed the ball there? around. Yep. There's, I uh, hate my life. Somebody uploaded a video and sped it up so that it, you know, each quarter goes by in about right. 20 seconds. And it's one team tries to score. The other team gets the ball and the ball just stays on that half of the floor for the entire quarter until they take a shot at the end of the quarter. Booing? Uh, I don't know. There wasn't sound with the video because it was sped up. But uh, the this team... is what happens when people like you infiltrate the sports market too deeply. We're so, so concerned about results so... and we'll do whatever it takes <laughs> to secure those. So uh, the team that stalled lost four to two. Good. Uh, the funny thing is they were down four to nothing going into the fourth and they still were stalling in the fourth. Like they had to score two times to have a chance and they still were stalling for a big portion of the fourth. Um I do, in general, appreciate the idea, we're not as good as this team. How do we win? We make it a six-possession game and hope that we score and they don't. Uh, but I absolutely hate this. Yeah. This is this is horrible. Do they just do turnovers? Stupid. They just run out the clock? And There's no shot clock. That's the problem here. There's no shot clock. In states, some states yeah. have it for high school basketball, but some don't. In Mississippi, we did not have a shot clock. We had a team that... It wasn't this extreme, but did something similar when they played us in high school basketball. The score at halftime was like six ten to, to two. Ten to four. Right. And eventually they played in the second half because they were down four and they were like, oh, we can't run the clock out and win. But I hate to be on that team. Right. It's yeah, it's that's the other thing. Terrible. To tell your kids this is what we're gonna do. Yeah. It at the And they go execute it to perfection. I mean, you want to talk about they, discipline. Uh, Maybe they've been in a few quiet rooms with no lights. <laughs> they're obviously uh Adept at stalling. Well, I mean, if they did it that well. They and so, but here's here's the problem when Lindsay's like people trying to find every edge. If this type of thing happened at the professional level, I would probably complain that the entertainment value sucks about it. But I would not complain about the strategy because if that's a way you think you can win, you should do it at the professional level. But at the high school level, come on now. This is but what the can. NHL made all the rules for and took away parts of goalie pads to make sure stuff exactly. like this doesn't Get out happen. Of here with your goalies and your too big of pads. Make them smaller. And incentivize offense. That's right. But you can at the pro level because right. you have a exactly. shot clock. But if, it was some, if there was some similar strategy that right. suppressed actual gameplay and gave you a better chance to win, at the pro level, you know, change some rules so it's more entertaining. But I'd have no problem with a coach doing it. Who'd because... be the best starting five in the NBA if, they, if that was your objective and say oh. you have to score less than... Six points for the whole game. Who would you put out there to get that done? LeBron, because he's such a great passer. Yeah, but then he's going to go. He wants to score. He wants. No, to, you, you, you'd he, have to tell him though. You'd have to get have people to, that oh, are so, bad so, at shooting. So we're assuming like we've got. They're not just guaranteed to be on board with this strategy. We've got to sell them on this strategy. You got to sell everybody on this strategy. Because I was going to say, make like, sure your locker room's bought in. I was going to say like Luca and James Harden. Dribble. James Harden for sure. Th those two dribble more than like for sure. anybody. So those two just tell yep. them to dribble at the Wouldn't top you have of to the have key. Great passers. I, I suppose that would probably be a consideration I mean, you'd LeBron, have to make. How much do they trap you? Is because in the 
you know, sped up video that I'm watching. The Are they trapping team, at all? They didn't. I mean, a little bit, but not a lot. They kind of they 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 kind of sat defense, back. But they kind of they're going to meet them. you at center court the second you cross the line. So, so you I need, need to have somebody with some really good feet. Good Pat Bev is absolutely on this roster because he'll do whatever to rally the troops. He's shooting. He's going to shoot though. But if he you tell him not, himself. if you tell him not to, he will listen. It's Pat will Bev. He? He I think he will. The camera I think he will. Media exactly. because, he went, because he knows what's right. Because he knew ultimately what's right. I think Pat no, Bev no, is gonna, the guardian of integrity of this game. No, he's going to wow. He's going to get a tech. And it's and our whole strategy of not letting he's going to get a tech and the other team's going to oh, score. We're going to talk yeah. to him ahead of time to make sure he doesn't get a tech. Because he can't help Pat, himself. You he are a rallying no. guy. He can't help himself. He can't help himself. Pat can't be on the team. So who else? Who else is bad at shooting? Rudy Gobert. Let's put him out there. <laughs> but he's going to turn it over too much. Exactly. He so we keep the score it. low. No, no, we don't. We, I mean, the, we keep it low by not giving the other team the ball. Jokic because of his passing. Ball. Jokic is going to go score. Stop picking the MVPs. They're not going to no, be able because to override they're great that. Passers. Yeah, we can find get, bargain bin get, passers that uh, have less risk. Oh, the Camposano. What kid. about our? Uh, he plays for the Nuggets. He's a great passer, but he only plays like ten. You know minutes. who couldn't do it because he's he he just couldn't help himself as Cam Thomas. I mean, the way he's oh, he take it the over. The way he's scoring, he's That's like, right. I just can't. I just can't do this. I, this is the only way you keep him from scoring forty. By the way, right? You, you play say keep you away. must. You <laughs> cannot shoot. You must pass the ball. You play keep away for the next right, team a facilitator. To play, next team to play the Nets Gordon might be Nash. like we're not shooting the whole game. We're playing keep away from Cam Thomas because that guy's not allowed to have the ball. <laughs> If we give him the ball, he's going for 40, and we don't want that to happen. So, yeah, four to two high school basketball. Did everyone game. before this who they ran a scout for, did everyone, everyone, I mean everyone on every team know who Cam Thomas was? No. No. There's just no You're chance. you say like other players or just right. other like, coaches? Right, like, you know, we're, no. sc- we're scouting the team, and, you know, oh, this no. is what they're doing tonight, and we have to worry about Cam. And, oh, like, no People chance. are like, who the hell's Cam? No chance. No way. I bet there's head coaches that played the Nets that didn't know who Cam Thomas was. Well, like you said, they weren't using him correctly. Steve Nash was just going on with what management said and his players said, and he never gave the kid a chance to actually be what he is. I mean, he was playing like eight minutes a game before Before all this happened. Before Kyrie got traded. So he he was playing. It's not like he literally was buried on the end of the bench or in the G League or something like that. But the rest of the players, and there's no way. No way the no. rest of the players in the league all knew who Cam Thomas and was. He probably couldn't even get to that game because he pro- he was never allowed to hit the things that made him feel best about his confidence. And so I bet you he was like 60% of the player that he could be. Having watched him play again six whole quarters here, I don't feel like this kid has lacked for confidence ever no. in his life. The shots he's taking well, are not... It, well, it fuels you, though. When you're getting sat, you're like, you're the fourth guy off the bench. Don't shoot the damn ball. Oh, my God. The the furnace inside <laughs> you. That's Kobe Bryant stuff, man. The shots he's taking, it's not like he's been out there and it's just, oh, he's getting a wide open drive to the rim or he's wide open from three. He's, contested going, shots. he's going off the dribble, contested mid-range jumper. I love it. And I'm like, that's not a good shot, Cam Thomas, but you can't miss it, so keep taking it, my man. That's why he raised his eyes when they said you're a facilitator. Like <laughs> you go, goes, Glenn yeah, Coco. Right you go. I'm a scorer. Cam Thomas. What a hero this guy is. All right. Did you guys see the video of the Tampa Bay Lightning fan fighting the Florida Panthers mascot? The no. more I watch it, because he walked down the stairs with him afterwards, the more I watch it, I think it's staged. So... It looks so the actual part of the fight to me didn't look staged because he, he pushes him halfway over the railing. Like there's a little He's bit of danger. Kind of holding there. on to him. I just but at the end. Don't mascots have handlers that walk around the arena yes, with them? For sure. Yes. Yes. For sure they do. Even if they didn't have handlers that would have stopped this, 
wouldn't there be a security guard nearby? Because yes. this fight between a fan and the Panthers mascot lasted like a minute. Yeah, I'm with you, Ed. I haven't seen the video, but it's definitely staged. He's pulling his shirt over his head. But I don't know why the Panthers would stage their mascot to lose a fight. That's the other part that doesn't make sense, because the fan clearly won the fight here. 